Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, what up, what up, man? Welcome to the FIGHT podcast, your weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I am Serge Vicente. And yo, we have a great show for you guys today, man. Um, after having a slow week in the news last week, this week finally came back with some fire, man. So today we have fight news, and I'll be breaking down everything that has happened in the combat sports world. I'm also going to go ahead and give my fight picks and analysis, analysis for... Um, all the fights this weekend, we have UFC London. Also, we have the IBF welterweight title between Errol Spence Jr. and Mikey Garcia. But remember, guys, before I get to that, the Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. We are everywhere podcasts are available, man. So go ahead and check us out. All right. Boom. Um, Man, welcome to episode 94 of the podcast. Uh, hope your week is going well, man. It's a beautiful Tuesday evening here in Chicago. Um, yo, we're finally starting to get some decent weather. It's like 50 degrees outside. I love it, man. So uh, everything's Gucci over here. Actually, I don't even know I should say Gucci, but everything's lovely over here. Um, and we finally have a real solid week of uh, of fight, just news and stuff. Last week was crazy because it seemed like everywhere you turn, not only with MMA, but there was no like music that dropped last week. Um, obviously, I feel like every week there's some nonsense in politics, but it just seemed like last week was a slow week in general, man. But this week. Things are starting to pick back up. People are starting to talk a little bit more. I don't know if we just had like fatigue over the beginning of the year, really having just fight after fight, news breaking after news breaking. Um, but man, just like combat sports does, it is the the male version of a soap opera. Um, you know, let me rephrase that. It's like a soap opera. I don't know. I'm sure guys like soap operas. One of my boys, one of my best friends, dude is military everything. Yo, he knows everything about like the young and the restless going back decades. I swear it's wild, man. So I'm not taking, I'm not knocking uh, soap operas, man. But um, it really has been something to pay attention to this past week man everything is popped back up man there's so much going on and i'm gonna go ahead and break down all of those things um like i said earlier there's also some really solid fights this weekend and look man if you are a legitimate combat sports fan a legit fan of combat sports um especially of mixed martial arts the main event in Saturday's UFC in London is a fight fan's dream. Two guys who actually want to scrap. That is what they're built for. It's like old school warriors, man. So we have Darren Till. Um, he is actually, you know, out of, you know, the uh, the UK fighting game bread. 
Jorge Masvidal, um, one of my all-time favorites, man. So I'll be breaking that down in a little bit. We also finally, I know I've been talking about this fight for the last couple of weeks. Um, I definitely went in depth about it last week with Brandon Camille when he was on the show. But of course, I'm talking about the boxing match. I'm talking about the IBF welterweight championship, 147 pound chip with uh, Errol Spence Jr. fighting against Mikey Garcia. I am hearing all kinds of um, picks. And I one thing I will say is funny about this fight is that the media seems to be going one way. But all the fighters are picking a different way. So I just find that to be interesting. I will tell you soon who I'm siding with. If you guys have paid attention, you I think you already know. But I did say my mind might change. So I wanted to make sure I was really looking into it, man. Really, even up to the week of the fight trying to see who was, I wanted to get a feel for it. You know, you want to get a feel for what is happening in the fighters. What do I hear from the camps? Have there been any injuries? Does anybody sound overconfident? All these little things, I really tie into making my picks. And um, so this week, um, like I said, we'll talk about it in a little bit, man. But uh We'll see what happens, man. We'll see if I've changed my mind or not. Uh, I have been known to change my mind uh, in the past, especially right before fights. So, um, But I'll break that down in a little bit. But, yo, we have a lot to get into today. So let's just go ahead and jump into it, man. All right. Uh, this past week, again, starting off in fight news, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with some MMA. Um, I usually try to kick it off there, but let's just start here right now. Um, Mickey Gall, Mickey Gall was what, two weeks ago when we had that big, um, pay-per-view headline by John Jones and, um, and, uh, Anthony Smith. I killed, uh, Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is one of the winners of the Dana White Contender Series. He ended up being the one that beat up um, that wrestler. What's his name? Um, CM Punk. And then he went ahead and got, you know, had a couple good wins. He beat Sage Northcutt. He's had a couple of solid wins in the UFC. So this fight against Diego Sanchez, I thought he actually was going to come with it. He didn't. He looked like crap. And I gave it. I gave it to him. I, I I said he was the loser of the weekend. He had the most room to grow, and he didn't do that. He looked crappy. It was awful. Um, but it seems like now there's a little bit of a reason behind it. And I'm not gonna lie, man. I feel bad. So check this out. Mickey Gall was diagnosed with. I'm gonna apologize. I know for a fact. I'm not gonna be able to pronounce this the right way, but. Okay, look, he was he, he was diagnosed with this really serious kidney failure, right? Robotolysis. I don't know. My bad. I'm sorry. Um, but he had a really, really bad kidney experience. Kidney failure versus Diego Sanchez during his fight at UFC, UFC 235. Um, he actually said this, and this was on the MMA hour. Um, he said, my kidneys were failing. Before the fight, I didn't really know. I could feel, I guess, looking back, we can tell a couple of warning signs like something was going on, but I didn't go to the fight thinking 245, it's whatever, it just kidneys. Fam, I don't know what he's saying. I really don't know. But then when I got to the fight, I was zapped right away. I was zapped. I rewatched the fight, and again, what are you saying? And, and let me cut into this for a second, but... What he's really saying is before the fight, he felt fine. There was nothing really wrong. But once the fight really got going on, all of a sudden, his energy was gone. And he continues by saying, like I said, I was zapped. I rewatched the fight and I'm in slow motion. I remember struggling for balance just to stay on my feet. It was crazy. I did have, I did have, um, Roboto. But they also think it was like a perfect storm. So Roboto, I guess, is the the symptoms that he had, the illness that he had. Um, 
But he said it was a perfect storm um, of drops in the bucket that made this happen. My stomach was a little off for fight week. I had some diarrhea when I was supposed to be cutting weight. And then I did the weight cut. This weight cut was easier than my last one. I believe sometimes you just got to go through the pain and get through the weight cut. It really wasn't necessary. I was singing and having a good time. Um, But at one point I did. When I stood up, I passed out, which I didn't think at the time was like, I don't know. Sometimes it will pass out, I guess. It was easy to write off all the warning signs. Not not my stomach or my back or my kidneys. Like, you don't know what a kidney feel, feeling weird really is like. In hindsight, yeah, maybe. I would have had something like the doctors at least try to get my levels a little better. All right. So check this out. First and foremost, MMA fighting and... Uh, and whoever transcribes these conversations, man, fix it up a little bit, man. I, I feel bad over here trying to like get through this dude's stutters. And and I feel like a complete jackass when I'm reading these things. So um, it's all good. It's whatever, man. But look, that was on, at the MMA hour this week. And it really explains a lot. It explains so much. Um, he actually just UFC 235 wasn't this week. It was a week and a half ago. He left the hospital yesterday. On Monday, he was released from the hospital. He was at the hospital for over a week. He legitimately had an illness. Um, Robo or however it's pronounced um, is something that, and I had to look it up a little bit, um, but it's something that a lot of CrossFitters get when they're overexerted so their kidneys essentially just shut down um i feel bad for the dude i think this is one of the things that though after it doesn't make the loss look as bad as it was now at least he has an excuse he can go back to the ufc with a little bit of like bargaining power you know what i mean he can go back and say look the only reason i lost that fight is strictly because i was ill Give me this dude again and I'll rip his face off. That's something that he could actually say going to the table in the future. So look, I'm not going to take, I'm not taking anything away from Diego Sanchez. Yo, Diego did his thing. He went out there, he won. But I will say with Mickey Gall, look, at the end of the day, he's still really young in his career. And I think this is, this is something that's not really going to affect him in the long run. So we'll see what ends up happening with that one. All right. This, honestly, I probably should have I probably should have started off with um, this next topic. But, man, let me, let me take a sip of this tea before I start up. Because I don't know how I feel about this, man. I'm definitely going to go in. But your boy... You know I'm talking to you to your boy, Conor McGregor, was once again arrested for allegedly smashing, stealing a cell phone outside of a Miami hotel. All right, so let me go ahead and read this for you guys. Um, it seems like this past weekend, Conor McGregor was out kicking it with some of his buddies. He was in Miami, Florida, and I'm going to go read this. This is from um, Mark Ramundi of MMAfighting.com. Conor McGregor has been arrested in Florida. The former UFC two-division champion is being charged on two counts for allegedly smashing a fan's phone early Monday outside of a famous Miami Beach hotel. The Miami Beach Police Department confirmed with MMA Fighting. So... McGregor was arrested at 5.56 p.m. local time Monday on charges of strong-armed robbery, a second-degree felony, and a criminal mischief, a third-degree felony, per the arrest affidavit obtained by MMAfighting.com. McGregor is being held at the Turner Guilford Knight Correctional Center on a total bond of $12,500. He probably has that in his sock. But, um... So here, let me let me pull up what's actually kind of happened. They're not really getting into it, but okay, here we go. So per the affidavit, Conor McGregor and the alleged victim, Ahmed Abdi, Abdirazak, 
of England were both exiting the hotel at around 5.20 a.m. Monday when Azarak attempted to take a photo of McGregor with his phone. McGregor allegedly slapped the phone out of Abzarak's hands to the floor, and then he proceeded to stomp on it several times, damaging the phone. McGregor then allegedly picked up the phone and <laughs> walked away with it. Azarak told the police that the phone was a value of $1,000, probably an iPhone, um, and the hotel is the home of famous uh, Miami nightclub Live. All right, so... McGregor's attorneys um, released a statement saying last evening, Conor McGregor was involved in a minor altercation over a cell phone that resulted in a call to law enforcement. Mr. McGregor appreciates the response of law enforcement and pledges his full cooperation. All right. So it seems like what ended up happening from everything that I've read, they said that Conor went out there. He was leaving the hotel so he's probably partying at the club um he ends up walking out this guy and he has this thing on tmz i i don't like i said i don't have it pulled up for you guys right now but what ends up happening this guy said he went to go ahead and actually he was leaving the club he saw mcgregor he's a big fan he said hey do you mind taking a picture mcgregor walks over looks like he's going to shake his hand and as the dude puts his phone up he says mcgregor slaps the phone out of his hand and then stomps it over and over again when the dude asked mcgregor mcgregor if he can get the phone back he said connor just picked it up turned away and just walked on um first and foremost i laughed so hard when i heard this story i couldn't believe it it's one of those things that, look, I, all the facts and figures aren't out, but this looks bad. This has to look bad to somebody aside from myself. I Look, all you Connor fans and all you Connor writers, look, I understand he is somebody who was at one point in time one of the best fighters in the sport. But he hasn't had a win in MMA in almost three years. I don't think, actually, let me rephrase that. He hasn't had a win period in almost three years. If he doesn't start doing what he is paid to do, not granted, he can sling whiskey all over the world. And if that's what he wants to do, fine. But he gets paid to fight. And I'm talking about fighting in the cage, not fighting against some random guy trying to take a picture. At the end of the day, man, you have to know who you are. Yes, it is true. And I will say this for all these schmuck fans out there. There's a gang of garbage fans that don't respect people's space. I've seen it. I've been around it. There are people that just don't understand. And I don't know if this dude was like that. He might have been. And Connor might have had every reason in the world to want to go ahead and smack this dude around. But here's the thing, Connor. You're worth too much money to be doing this dumb shit. It's, it's crazy. They said he had security there. If you wanted to do dealt with or he didn't want to take a picture, you could have just walked away or had one of your goons get dude. The more Connor does things like this, look, he got arrested again in the States. I know Buddy speaks English, but we keep forgetting he's not American and he continues to get locked up. What's going to happen if all of a sudden this affects his visa? Because it could. And we all know, yes, Connor can get paid everywhere around the world. It's cool. He's that big of a name. But you make your money here. With an American company, that's how it works. So, I, I the question I kept on bringing up is that when I saw this, was, is this going to be the end of the McGregor era? And I have to start off by saying, no, I, I don't believe so. I can't, I can't. There's too many people that love the madness. There's so many people that love 
the they want this story they want the guy who's who's going down to the bottom rising back up he's the bad guy they love him being the bad guy and they're going to continue paying him to be the bad guy until he takes a couple more L's now there's the silver lining there's a caveat he continue he can continue being a dick and getting away with it as long as he doesn't do anything bigger than this, obviously. But if he he can be a dick as long as he's knocking people, knocking people out. If you're knocking people's face off, yo, fam, boom. They're gonna continue paying for everything. They're gonna continue paying you to make these big fights. He's gonna continue getting these little slaps on the wrist. But if he starts taking all these losses, well then hey. It's going to get to a point in time where the UFC will even say, it's like, bro, I cannot guarantee you anything. They said that the fight with Conor McGregor and Cowboy Cerrone didn't happen because, and again, this is a rumor. I throw that out there. I throw my caveat out there. This is a rumor. But they said the only reason this did not happen is because they wanted to make it a co-main event. Yo, man. He's not going to be able to have that type of leeway if he take, keeps taking L's. And he's going to have even less leeway. And he's going to be away from the sport even longer. If he continues doing his dumb shit. Now, I personally have an issue with people who are, who are like this. I do. But I also understand how high level especially combat sports fighters and i think i've swayed on my opinion a little bit after specifically listening to like the rogan and mike tyson combo you have to be a little bit nuts to be that great right but the problem is i think he was there at a point in time and now he's on the other end of it where the greatness is gone or at least is rapidly leaving He is going to have to come back and dominate. He's going to have to come back, get two impressive wins. Because in his next two fights, if he gets a loss or doesn't look impressive, I'm going to tell you right now, the aura, the allure of Conor McGregor is gone. The only reason we continue dealing with Floyd Mayweather is because we can, we love to see him. We love to we people want to see him lose. They want to see him, so they're going to continue paying that money for the pay per view. They don't care if you keep taking L's, especially because he's not that type of fighter. I've been on here before arguing back and forth, saying, "Look, man, who cares about a loss?" Who cares? It's one loss. But you can't go three years between wins. Especially when you're getting dominated. It's not like a back and forth fight. Donald Cowboy Cerrone could lose his next six fights in a row. And nobody would care. Why? Because he goes out there and just scraps. And we understand that. But this is Conor McGregor. This is Mystic Mac. This is the champ champ. He has to take, he has to win. Um, I'll keep us all posted as this keeps going forward, man. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, I don't think this is a good look. I think this makes him look like more of a clown than ever. And I think that his star is going to continue to fizzle out. All right, moving on to the next one. <laughs> Speaking of wild stuff, man. Yoel Romero was recently on the um, Area Hawani's MMA show, and he made a comment where it, because he was supposed to fight Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa, the Brazilian sensation, smooth, you know, dude at a buck 85. The ladies love him, the guys want to be him. You know, one of those dudes. One of the most bodied up individuals you will ever see fighting. 
Dude, dude looks like a model and he's jacked. It's crazy. But your Romero, who was also a specimen in his own right, was supposed to fight him um, in about a month and a half. He ended up pretty much now Yoel Romero is going to fight in the rematch against Jacare Souza. Great fight. I can't wait to see it. But people were trying to figure out why is it that Paula Costa was pulled from that event? Yoel Romero made a comment that made it seem like it might have had something to do with USADA. So the doping agency. So re- reporting that Paula Costa out of Israel. <laughs> Reporting that Paulo Costa is out of the Yoel Romero fight due to doping test fail is unconfirmed. The Paulo Costa story, Yoel called me immediately, and this is Pierre Ariel Hawani. He said he called me immediately after the show to clarify that he had only heard Paulo Costa failed to use out a drug test, but he is not sure if that is accurate at this time. He would never want to accuse anyone before the facts come out. And that is from Ariel Hawani saying that Yoel Romero said that. Now, I think this is interesting. Because the new rule with USADA is that now they'll just pull you from the card, but they will not tell everybody that you failed the drug test. So what it seems like, it does seem like Paulo Costa might have actually failed a piss test. If he did, nobody would be surprised. <laughs> nobody in the world would be surprised. If you do not know who Paulo Costa is, look buddy up. Paula, Paula Bohashina Costa. Dude looks like an action figure, man. Um, and look. I think, I hope he didn't dope. I hope it's some, I hope he has some picograms of something, right? And he ends up being okay because look, I think he is somebody who is really going to continue pushing that historic fight culture that Brazil has. He's one of the next ones. He's that guy. You got him. You have like Vicente Luque. You have um, Capoeira. You got dudes from Brazil who are starting to really make noise. And he was really leading that bunch. If he has to take two years off because of a failed PED test, ooh, that'd be bad for business, man. Um, I hope that's not the case. But it might be. And I don't think anybody will be surprised, man. Um, But we'll see. And again, I will keep us all posted uh, the more we hear about that story. All right. (sighs) This next bit is news, man. Um, I don't understand it. I I just don't get it, man. Um, This is something that, yo, it just breaks my heart. So BJ Penn, the prodigy is going to go ahead and compete against Clay Guida. And again, this is reported, will be his last fight. Again. Hall of Famer BJ Penn is 40 years old and is set to make his his UFC... He is set to fight on UFC 237 May 11th in Rio de Janeiro versus Clay Guida. Essentially supposed to be his farewell bout according to people close to the prodigy. BJ Penn is currently on a seven-bout winless streak that dates back to February 2011. He just lost not too long ago um, at UFC 232. Yo, it is 2019. He hasn't won since February of 2011? For people, okay, so check this out. Some of you might be new to MMA, and that's cool. Welcome. <laughs> I love it. Um, when you look at BJ Penn's record and you see a record that says 16 and 13, when we say he's a legend, I know you probably like, what? What journeyman-ass saucy record is that? 
BJ Penn is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Until recently, a lot of people had him as the greatest 155-pounder of all time. He is literally the reason the UFC still has a lightweight division. Because there was a point in time, the UFC got rid of everything under 170 pounds. There was no light. There were no lightweights, no bantam weights, nobody. And BJ Penn was one of those little guys that people loved to watch. He was the first American, you know, um, like uh, like the fastest to ever get a, a black belt. One of the he, the first Americans to win um, the world BJJ title. Dude is amazing. He only he got his black belt in like four years. That doesn't happen. And that's why he had the nickname The Prodigy. Some of the most epic fights of all time. And he's somebody who would fight everybody. Again, he used to fight at 155 pounds consistently. This fight is at 145 pounds. He fought Leota Machida at heavyweight. Over 200 pounds. He won the welterweight title in the UFC. He beat the great Matt Hughes. He had some amazing fights with Georges St. Pierre. The first one, not the second one. The way he destroyed Sean Shirk. The way he destroyed Diego Sanchez and Kenny Florian. This dude was, he had incredible boxing. Nasty on the ground. And he was mean. And BJ was weird too because most great fighters come from some kind of struggle, right? Yo, BJ's dad is rich. BJ's stupid rich. And he still is just that warrior spirit. He really brought Hawaii to the map. If there was not BJ Penn, there would not be Max Holloway. Plain and simple. And Lima Lay McFarlane, over at Bellator, the champion over there at 125 pounds, she wouldn't exist in MMA if it wasn't for BJ Penn. Shoot. I, dude, there are plenty of people who never would have stepped into a cage if it wasn't for BJ. He legitimately is a legend. But he, I don't know why he keeps fighting. And I understand it, and I hear fighters say it. It's difficult to walk away. But yo, if you just keep on getting worked, you can go go train. Obviously, he enjoys training, bro. Go go work out. Stay in shape. Dude, weekend flag football league if you want to get the juices going. But dude, stop going into into the cage and getting beat up. Then Dana White, fam, what are you doing? Dana White said the reason he stopped allowing Chuck Liddell compete was because he cared about his his well-being and his future. Yo, Dana, give this other legend the same courtesy. Stop giving him fights. He's 40. He hasn't won since 2011. It's ridiculous, man. And look, Clay Guida is somebody who is also on the back nine. I get it. He is. Is this a winnable fight for BJ? I I guess. At one point in time, it would have been a cakewalk. But now I don't know. I just... (laughs) I just don't want to see him compete anymore, man. Every time I see him, like, fam, I want to rip my hair out. I want to rip the hair off my eyebrows. It makes me so mad. It's crazy, man. Um, I wish him the best. God bless him. I mean, but we'll end up seeing what happens, man. But uh, blah, BJ Penn, man. All right. 
Uh, moving right along, I want to change gears a little bit, and I want to and I want to talk about the PFL. So the PFL recently, uh, remember the Pro Fighters League, they recently signed with ESPN, and this upcoming season will actually have a bantamweight women's bantamweight tournament. So 135 pound women um, will be competing for uh, for the million dollar prize. So let me read this to you guys. Um, Sarah Kaufman. Former Strike Force champion, competed in the UFC. She's competed in all the best divisions, uh, organizations in the world, um, Invicta and everything. So check this out: Sarah Kaufman, who is currently the, the Invicta FC bantamweight champion, thirty-three years old. She wanted to stay very busy, and all her potential challengers seemed to be to end up in the UFC. So she was granted a release from the organization to enter the PFL Women's Lightweight Tournament for a million-dollar prize. The tournament's favorite the favorite is two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo, Camilla Harrison. And Sarah Kaufman said this, this is tailor-made for Kayla Harrison, for sure. But they also wanted to have a legitimate talent in there, which is why I'm here. So while I think they're hoping that Kayla wins... I'm looking to upset their party. I'm a pretty good party upsetter, really. And I am a party pooper. I feel really good about being at 155. I just won't be cutting literally any weight, legitimately. Ultimately, I want to finish my career in my division as the best in the world. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Maybe I'll end up the best 155 pounder in the world. Then everybody knows that and... And can infer I what and imply whatever they want from that. All right, so check this out. Um, if you don't know who Sarah Kaufman is, Sarah Kaufman is the OG of OGs in women's MMA. She's been doing it for a while. She has great stand up, and um, she's actually pretty nasty on the ground. She's been in there with some of the best in the world, and. I'm going to be honest with you. She is going, she has so much experience. She's going to be a problem for Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison has so much upside. She's two-time gold medalist, nasty at judo, but I believe I've said this before. Aside from Aikido, judo does not translate very well to MMA. Now, I've watched Kayla, um, perform live she's good she trains with an incredible team i believe she's also out there at american top team they will get her in the right place where she needs to be but sarah kaufman is somebody need to look out for now i'm also going to say this i have no clue why the pfl is doing 155 pound division it is specifically for kayla you guys you gotta make them work. There are no women in the world fighting at that weight class. You barely have enough women fighting at 145 pounds. Why would you do a tournament at 155 pounds strictly for this girl to win? That's trash. That's super trash. So, I don't know. I'm actually, I think be, just strictly because of that, I might have to start pulling for uh, Sarah Kaufman. The OG, she's been in the game forever. She earns and she deserves a payday like that. She's that good, man, and she's done so much for the sport. I hope she wins it, man, especially if they're going to sit there and just make a weight class for this chick, man. No bueno. I'm not a fan. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, going back to the UFC really quick, this actually um, caught my eye. Derek Lewis entered the Junior Dos Santos fight this weekend. Look, the epic round and a half. He got finished in the second round, but Derek Lewis entered that fight with a badly damaged knee. So sources in the Derek Lewis camp have said that Derek Lewis came in with a torn meniscus, ACL, and MCL from a month ago, but Lewis refused to pull from the fight. And that's why if you guys actually listen to it in between rounds, after the first round, Bob was telling him to try to finish the fight. And it wasn't just because of the, the shot that he took, the body shot that he took. 
his knee was actually giving out, man. Yo, salute to Derek Lewis. This dude is a warrior. If he legitimately has a torn ACL, MCL, and meniscus, and he went out there and actually competed the way he did, fam, what is that dude made of? One of the toughest guys ever in MMA. It's without a doubt, man. This dude went out there and and it makes sense too. There was a moment in time and after the knockout, if you noticed, Derek Lewis was trying to escape. He balled up, he took a couple shots, but then he looked like he was trying to escape. He took a step and it appeared that because of some of the shots, his equilibrium was probably off. So he kind of did a little stanky leg thing, fell back down. The ref called to fight. But if what they're saying is true, him taking that step, his leg wobbling up under him was because of that leg that was given out. And that will make perfect sense. I'm not going to say that he actually would have still won the fight. But I'm not saying that he wouldn't. So um, I hope he gets better. Derek Lewis is one of the best that we have. He is without a doubt, man, one of the most fun, one of the best athletes to compete in MMA, man. He has a great social media page. He's amazing on the mic. He's one of those personalities. He's one of those athletes that elevate the level of not just the UFC, but the MMA as a whole. You gotta love what you see from this dude, man. He's 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 great. He's a great part of the sport. Um, and I hope he heals up well, man. Um, that fight was super entertaining. And speaking of JDS, and I'm gonna, this is gonna be the last thing for fight news because we still got a lot to get into, man. We still have a lot to get into. My bad. I'm excited. Um, JDS Junior Dos Santos after his big win said that a fight with Francis Ngannou would be great but in August so when he was interviewed in MMA Junkie he said I think that would be great it should have happened in the past we talked about that last episode but because of something weird it didn't happen ended up failing a PED test that's what happened that was the weird thing Maybe now it can happen. Right now, I need a break. I need to stay active. That's the most important thing right now. Before my career comes to my family, my daughter is born May in May. I need to get ready to receive her. I'll fight again maybe at the end of August. This fight makes sense. This fight makes complete, complete sense. The winner of that fight should have gotten Francis Ngannou. The winner of that fight should fight for the title. And I'm be honest with you, at that point in time, it probably will be for a vacant title because I don't see Daniel Cormier still being here that long. He might be, but he says he wants to peace out once he turns 40. I think he turns 40 like next week. So we'll see what ends up happening, but the UFC make the fight. That's right there. It, it seems like that's the best thing, man. So I hope that ends up happening. Um... Yo, man, some solid stuff, bro. Some solid fights. Um, but before I go ahead and get to everything else, man, remember the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. The Fight Podcast is everywhere that podcasts are available. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, This weekend, we have UFC Fight Night in London. Yo. I talked about it a little bit earlier in the uh, the podcast. I am really looking forward to this fight. Um, this is headlined by Darren the Gorilla Till and Game Bread Jorge Masvidal. Um, this fight should be dope. Um, 
with the new champion at welterweight. Look, man, the division is shuffled, man. It's anybody's game. And uh, Darren Till and Jorge Masvidal understand going into this fight that this actually is the winner of this fight takes a step much closer to that title shot. Um, and honestly, anybody who wins this fight might end up being a favorite or again, favorite to be that number one contender. I think the winner of this fight has one more fight to get to the title, but they're close. And depending on how well they win, and again, I'm talking about looking at it, whoever wins, and if it is an impressive win, they can find themselves right in the title shot. Think about it, man. Darren Till, his last fight was last November against Tyron Woodley for that welterweight title. He matches up extremely well for Kamara Usman. That might be an interesting fight in the future, man. Um, and again, Jorge Masvidal, he's another one. He's out of Florida, in South Florida. He trains with Captain Cringe, Kobe Covington. He would be an interesting matchup because of his great takedown D and his pace and his grittiness and toughness. So that would also be a great matchup against Usman. Um, but against each other, let's go ahead and jump into it, man. I love this fight. Like I said, um, looking at the odds really quick, I pull have the odds up. Uh, Darren Till ooh, is a super favorite. He's actually the minus, it's a minus 250 favorite. Um, and uh, Jorge Masvidal is a plus two, um, the plus 200 underdog. Yo, I think they're tripping. I really do, man. Um, let's go ahead and look into both fighters, man. Um, if we look at their records, Darren Till is 17-1 with one draw. Jorge Masvidal is 32 wins, 13 losses, okay? Um, Jorge hasn't, he didn't fight in all of 2018. Darren Till um, definitely lost his last fight. Uh, check this out. Height, virtually identical. Weight, probably where the difference is going to be. Jorge Masvidal is a tweener between 155 pounds and and um and welterweight. Darren Till is somebody who is on the bigger end of the weight class. Both guys are big, but again, I, I wonder, and we'll talk about it in a moment, but I wonder if that size is really going to have that big of a difference. Darren Till always has a size advantage. He is a big guy. He can absolutely fight at um at middleweight but Jorge Masvidal is also one of those guys that size really his game is so technical that that size might not even matter um both of them have 74 inch reaches um and they both have about 40 inch legs or 40 or just said Darren Till's legs are 42 inches and Jorge's are 40 so physically yes they match up well Check this out. Darren Till, 60% of Darren Till's wins are by KO. Jorge's by 41%. Jorge's 6% submission. Darren Till, 12%. Um, check this out. I will say this. Jorge Masvidal actually has legitimate wrestling. And if we're looking at the fight, if we check out um, takedown defense. Let me look at their grappling real quick. They both have incredible takedown defense, but... I've seen Cowboy Cerrone even take down Darren Till. So Jorge Masvidal has a great shot in this fight if he's able to go ahead and mix up his striking and his uh, his wrestling a little bit. Looking at both of these guys' style, man, both of them have an extensive background, not just in MMA. They've both boxed. They've both tie boxed. Darren Till has a number of, of uh, Muay Thai fights. Um, and Jorge Masvidal, not only does he have pro boxing, kickboxing, he also came up with Kimbo Slice fighting in Kimbo Slice fighting in the streets also. So he did the backyard brawling. So he, that's that's both of these guys' background. Darren Till is a bad dude, man. Because think about this. Darren Till moved to from England. He moved to uh, Brazil without knowing any any uh, Portuguese. Ended up learning the language. Ended up living down there. 
and uh, training for years. Um, so again, both of them have really, really unique backgrounds. Um, if you look at their styles, Darren Till has a specific bounce to him, more karate style bounce to him, but he really sets up his shots extremely well. He is a huge and heavy-handed puncher. And he does a great job of pretty much having you lunge into his shots. A lot of feints, a lot of, you know, different movement. He's really intelligent when he's in there. And every time he's actually making contact with his opponents, and again, he did this a lot with Cowboy Cerrone, is he forces you with his presence. He fights big. He's able to go ahead and actually end up walking down a lot of his opponents. Obviously, great leg kicks. And uh, he's extremely powerful. He's able to really impose his will on the majority of his, his opponents. Now, Jorge Masvidal. He's somebody who, again, has a great wrestling, but also is super solid on the feet. He's great. And if we're talking about technical like Muay Thai or like Dutch style kickboxing, Jorge might even have the advantage in that. Great hands, great technical boxing. But in terms of even kicks and when people had to actually throw kicks at Jorge, not only does he react well, he also defends extremely well. Jorge Masvidal is one of the most... He's one of the fighters that actually is... Um, he feels it. He, he's, he feels what's going on in there. And even though at times he starts slow... He really understands the fight. He under, he's in really he's playing chess in there. Well, other people are playing checkers. He does also a lot of feints. Um, he makes sure also that, again, we've talked about this in the past. He catches people in the like the half. So instead of throwing that one, two, he's catching you. When you throw one, instead of one, two, he's hitting you one and. He's hitting you in that one and. Not the one, two. He's hitting you with the one and. So he's catching you in the middle and he's getting off first. Jorge Masvidal is a complete beast. And um, he's actually had to even talk to a lot of uh, referees because he's lost a number of split decisions that if gone the other way, who knows where his career could be. So dude's an absolute monster, man. Uh, let's just go into the numbers really quick again. Um, let's see. Significant strikes uh, landed per minute. Check this out. Jorge Masvidal lands four punches per minute. Darren Till only lands two. Significant strikes. They both land about 47% of their significant strikes. But also look at this. Even though Jorge Masvidal lands four punches per minute, he actually absorbs also four punches a minute. So because again, his style, he doesn't mind taking one to give one. We talked about this with Anthony Smith. Fighters like this who have that mentality are difficult to deal with because they're going to continue coming forward no matter what you do. We've never seen Darren Till in that predicament. I've never seen Darren Till actually have to sit back and adjust to somebody attacking him. The one, I mean, even when he got knocked by Tyron Woodley, he was coming forward. So I'm wondering, I want to see how Jorge Masvidal is going to do. And if he does come forward, I wonder how Darren Till is going to react to that. Because both of these guys both want to come forward and they both want to meet right in the middle, draw a line in the middle of the octagon and get after it. This should be an entertaining fight. This has all the potential to be fight of the night. I can't wait, man. Um, the odds makers are going for Darren Till. I completely get it. I understand. If you want to go with the underdog, I'm going with Jorge Masvidal. I think his style, I think his his skill, and um, I think he's just being a savvy veteran is going to really help him go through this fight. I also think this is a great time to get Darren Till. A lot of fighters who have everything going for him, he, again, he was undefeated. He's on a roll. He gets his first big loss, and he lost devastating fashion. Yes, he got choked out, but he took hella damage before that. So much damage he took before that. So how is he? Is he mentally all there? 
Jorge Masvidal is not the guy you're supposed to fight if you're not sure. And I'm not sure about there until just yet. We'll see. He could put me wrong. I've been wrong before. I don't care. I got Jorge in this one. All right. Um, Co-main. Yo, co-main event is fun. Co-main event is super fun. It's against it's Leon Edwards against Gunnar Nelson. Gunny. Gunny is coming back. Leon Edwards is coming back. Um, this should be a good fight. The odds makers have it almost out of pick'em. Um, you have the minus 160 for, for uh, Leon Edwards and the plus 140 for Gunnar Nelson. Another really, really solid fight, man. Gunnar Nelson is nasty on the ground. And I was going to originally go with Gunnar Nelson. But then I had to go ahead and do some research and I looked at their records, right? Leon Edwards is currently on a one, two, three, four, five, six fight win streak. The only person that he has lost to in the UFC is Kamaru Usman since his, again, he lost his debut, which whatever it happens, a lot of fighters lose their debut. Then he won two. He lost to Kamaru Usman, the current champion at 170 pounds, but then went out there and beat who I think is real legit, man. Brian Barberina. Brian Barberina, somebody who's tough as nails. You can hit him with a brick, and he keeps coming forward. He's great on the ground. He's solid standing up. And Leon Edwards went out there and actually got a unanimous decision. But then he also goes out there and beats Donald Cerrone. Um, I'm telling you, oh, and not to mention, check this out. He actually also beat unanimous decision Vicente Luque, who everybody now is starting to talk about because of his, because of his great fight at UFC 235. Vicente Luque is a killer. Donald Cerrone, we all know that. He's a killer. Let's go on the other side. Who has um, Gunnar Nelson beat recently? Let's just check it out. Oliveira from last fight, that's nothing to sneeze at. I'm not mad at that, right? But aside from that, he lost to Ponzinibbio. We can say it was the eye poke. But there's no real huge names that actually stand out for me. Nobody that you're going to sit there and say, oh, man, that guy's going to be a world champion or is dope, right? Um, he lost to Damian Maya. He lost to Rick Story. He beat Alan Joban, but I don't think any of us, I mean, if we're looking at the level of competition, we have to say Leon Edwards has been more impressive, especially as of recently. If you look at him also compete, solid takedown D, really solid takedown D, and he keeps a pace. I've seen Gunnar Nelson get knocked out. I have not seen that with um, with uh, Leon Edwards, man. So I'm going to go ahead and rock with Leon Edwards. All right. Uh, Volkan Oznamir, no time, is fighting against um, Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes was one of the fight podcast um, fighter focus uh, not too long ago. Number eight contender in the light heavyweight division. Um, Volkan Oznamir, two losses in a row. Uh, he lost for the title, and then he lost to um, Anthony Smith, number six. I'm be honest with you, man. I have to go with the with the nine and zero um, prospect. I think Dominic Reyes is one of the best up and coming guys in the game. If we look at his record, again, he has beat some solid solid guys over the last couple of weeks man um dude hold up man my computer is all of a sudden not trying to react for me but if you look at his record man again 10 and 0 he's already beat again his last fight he beat open St. pru in the fight before that he beat jared Cantonier. those aren't easy fights man and for him to be that young in his career and he's beating those quality athletes, I'm telling you, man, Volkan has been on a little bit of a slide. We might have seen the best Volkan Oznamir we were going to see. 
if Dominic Reyes can go out there and actually withstand the first three minutes with Volkan Ozdemir, I think he ends up winning this fight second round TKO. I'm going with him, man. Um, the rest of this fight's going to be good. You have Danny Roberts uh, competing. Uh, let me just look at some of these fight odds for you guys. Uh, Danny Roberts, Claudio Silvia. They have Claudio Silvia as the favorite. Uh, let's see. Mark Danzig versus Joe Duffy. That should be a fun fight. Joe Duffy, again, somebody who is really solid. Mark Danzig is um, from Britain, extremely explosive. Um, that should be a fun fight. Anything else? Dan Inge is on this card. Look, man, all in all, yo, this is a decent card. It's not one of the best ones they've had, but they've had some pretty fire cards recently. Um, I think it should be pretty good, but uh, my picks, I'm going with Masvidal, I'm going with Edwards, I'm going with Reyes, uh, Danny Roberts, man. So we're rocking with that for UFC London, and that'll be this weekend on ESPN um, or ESPN Plus. One of them, man. That should be solid. All right. Um, <laughs> boxing. The fight this weekend everybody's talking about is the IBF welterweight title between Errol Spence Jr. and Mikey Garcia. Look, man, I've talked about this fight till I was blue in the face, and I was really hoping that maybe I can give you guys a little something different. But I'm going to be honest with you. The more I look at this fight, the more I see Errol Spence winning this fight relatively easily. Look at the size difference. Errol Spence is more athletic. He has faster hands. He trains with a great team. And he's much bigger. Mikey Garcia literally comes up to Errol Spence's shoulder. If we're also talking about arm reach, Errol Spence has a much longer reach. I don't see how, the more I think about this fight, man, I don't see how Mikey Garcia gets on the inside. Errol Spence can literally throw jabs the entire day, fight long, which he does. And win this fight strictly off of jabbing this dude's face off. Think about this. Errol Spence can be throwing hooks. And he can still be out of range of Mikey Garcia. That's how much longer he is. I think Mikey Garcia is great. I do. I see him getting knocked out. Seventh, eighth round. No, no slack on his game. It's cool. I get it. It's look, it's not a, it's not, there's nothing wrong with losing to Errol Spence. Nothing, nothing at all. Especially he dared for greatness. He wanted to be great. He's jumping up two weight classes to actually make this happen. Yo, he's a lightweight. He should be fighting at 35. He should be fighting at 40. These monsters at 47 are just going to be too big for him. And uh, Errol Spence is a guy who I honestly believe is going to walk through him. Errol Spence has been in there with people who hit much harder than Mikey Garcia. And when he's actually hit, he comes downhill. And he walks through those guys. Kell Brook is one of them. Kell Brook hits much harder than Mikey Garcia. We've seen Kell Brook kind of rock Gennady Golovkin. I fully expect it to be an entertaining fight. I think this is going to be a fight that makes Errol Spence one of the top pay-per-view draws. I think this fight is going to be one of those fights that um, push the conversation to see if Errol Spence is either number one or number two pound for pound in the world. I do. I really do, man. Um, so that's what I believe is going to happen. Um, so that's my picks for the weekend, man. So going through it, you have this weekend, we have the the big UFC in London. I can't wait to watch that one. And I also can't wait to hear about if uh, Jorge Masvidal runs into Michael Bisping again. That should be good because they've had beef for a long time. So that should be interesting. Um, 
And uh, we had fight news, all the good stuff, man. More things will be coming this week. I will be back to tell them to you. Brandon Camille is going to be back on. We're going to go ahead and do a full boxing preview and talk about all the boxing news of the week as well. And, um, yo, with that being said, this is Serge Vicente. And you're listening to the Fight Podcast, man. Um, thank you guys so much. And again, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. And follow me at Serge Vicente. And if you're on Twitter, at the Serge Vicente. So check me out. Uh, also support the show check us out on the website thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate and share we are everywhere podcasts are available and like i told you guys before if you want merch because people are starting to ask me about merch if you'd like merch go ahead on the fight podcast page on our uh, ig page Yo, shoot me a note or shoot me a note on the website and with the size and we will get that all out to you. Um, yo, that being said, I'm Serge Vicente. This is episode 94 of the Fight Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Peace out.